Okay. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Um, it's a real privilege to be able to get up and, and talk about some of the things we do. It's a real privilege to get to do some of the things that God's allowed us to do. Um, we've got a screen up here with some pictures. We are presently working with Youth with a Mission, YWAM. Raise your hand if you've heard of YWAM. Thank God. Okay, we're working with YWAM in New Zealand. We're based in Taronga, New Zealand. But in particular, we work with the maritime arm of that called Marine Reach, um, probably more easily understood as YWAM ships. How many of you have heard of Mercy Ships? Yes. Mercy Ships used to be under YWAM. They are their own separate organization now doing the same kind of ministry. And YWAM has continued on with ships. um, And we're focused in the New Zealand area. So you get, there's a little tiny picture up there of the ship that was last in New Zealand, has since been gifted to YWAM Australia at the direction of the Lord. And last year we spent uh, several months on the ship touring Australia and um, explaining what we do. And then we spent two months in Papua New Guinea. So here on the map... Um, We are from New Zealand. New Zealand is not Australia. Some people get that mixed up and they say, well, you're just part of Australia, right? It's like, tell the All Blacks that at rugby. No, no, no. We're our own country. In fact, we refer to Australia as West Island, so there's a little uh, rivalry there. But when it came to the ship, we're all one. So we gifted our ship to Australia, toured all around the East Coast, way around to Adelaide, and then up and spent our outreach time in Papua New Guinea, which is this nation way at the top there, and saw probably the most intense poverty that Mike and I have ever seen. I won't say there are certainly more desperate places in the world, but we certainly saw poverty like we'd never seen. It was like stepping back 200 years. Normally, New Zealand's region that we deal with and we will be dealing with in the future now is these islands up in here above New Zealand, um, Samoa, Fiji. uh, We've just been able to get into the nation of Vanuatu, which is extremely needy, kind of one of the last really reached, discovered islands in the South Pacific. But there's thousands of islands up through here, and, and until I moved to New Zealand, I didn't understand just how many islands there were and how remote their lifestyle is. Um, As we said, the next slides will show you the ships. Um, We are presently um, fundraising to acquire the next ship for New Zealand because we gave away the ship we had, so we're in the midst of fundraising for the ministry um, a million dollars plus, which is like, that's pretty cheap for a ship, but it's pretty cool to say, hey, we're fundraising million dollars. No problem. And the other ship there, that was the ship, the Pacific Link, that was our home for about five years, and we lived on this, and it now belongs to Australia YWAM, and continues, is presently on outreach up in Papua New Guinea, continuing the medical outreach that we do. Basically, it's a pretty practical ministry. These areas don't have doctors, nurses. Uh, If they could afford it, they couldn't get there. 
It's just not available. It's not affordable. We saw people last year who never had been to a dentist in their lives. Short of the ship coming, they may never get to a dentist again. We were in an island off of Fiji that had not had a doctor or a nurse in seven years. It makes you appreciate the little things in life. And so we bring free medical care, dental care, optometry. When you give your used eyeglasses to the Lions Club or whoever, that's where it goes. Um, Free uh, cataract surgeries. And these people just, they live so simply. Like I said, it's like stepping back 200 years. There's no electricity except for generators a few hours in the evening. There's um, in some of the places we were, there's no roads, there's no cars. It's just wooden dugout canoes. That's their method of transportation. It's all cooking over open fires. Um, there's no computer, there's no internet, there's no PlayStation. Life is pretty simple. Um, what's the next slide? Okay, let me just tell you real quickly in a sentence that when I first got saved, Uh, 41 years ago this month. Um, One of the things that really held me back from becoming a Christian was just this fear of giving my life to God and what did that mean. And I had two thoughts running around in my head that I would have to become a nun and never get married and never have children and wear the long black robes. And it was kind of like, hmm. I had to think about that a while. The other was that God was going to put me on some little boat sailing up some deep, dark river with trees growing over in deepest, darkest Africa. And I had to deal with those fears before finally I could say, well, whatever God asked me to do, I need God in my life. Fast forward to 2010, and we are in Papua New Guinea on a ship, sailing up a river with the trees hanging over the edge. And, oh, and yeah, and in my dream there were people that came out and threw spears at the ship. So here we have a being greeted in the ship. And they would come out in their ceremonial dress and notice the, the bamboo spears and notice the, the, the war paint and the headdresses and the, the expressions that are meant to scare you. Um, Bless God, this was all ceremony. Here are the women coming out to greet us in ceremonial dress as well. Um, It was like, wow, only on National Geographic, on stuff you'd see on TV, but no, we got to see it up close and personal. And I kid you not, this was the last outreach, and the the, the dugout canoes came up by the ship, and no kidding, they were throwing spears at the ship. They were bamboo, they were reeds, they were not real. And I stood on the aft deck, and I just thought, God, you have such a sense of humor. Sometimes the things we worry about the most sort of aren't as bad as we imagined them. So here's the last outreach that we did. Mike and I are down there in the corner, and all these people are... Ship's crew, engineers, deck guys, doctors, nurses, lay people that just come and say, put me to work, train me up, what do I need to do? And this was probably pretty much everybody on the outreach. There's always somebody sleeping somewhere. But that was our whole crew. It was about 40 plus Celsius degrees. That's about 105, pretty much continuously with no air conditioning in the village. Thank God for air conditioning on the ship. But 
people were pretty wiped out by the end of a day doing that stuff. But that's, our, that's the very front of our ship, and that was our motto. I want to live. Not, I want to live in Laconia. Not, I want to live in New Zealand. It's, I want to live. That's the life message of these people. Um, we just want to speak to you real quickly that we want people say, how can, you, how can we partner with you? And we just want to mention we've got a few brochures out here on the table, um, and we'll try to get more printed and get them back to you. But if, if what you hear today really pricks you and you want to partner with us, there's three ways you can do that. You can pray with us, and that is so, so important because so often in the heat of battle, yes, we're praying, but so often in the heat of battle, we just have to go. And, and we hear stories of people praying for us at times when they're not even sure what to pray. But to pray for us, if we are going to endeavor to be better with our newsletters and keep prayer points coming, we have some different ones over the years that have said, we pray for you every morning. And it's like, thank you. You have no idea how much it means that they're thinking of us daily and just praying for us. So, as I said, we'll try to, you know, give us your email address. We've got a notebook out here. Give us your email address if you want to be on our newsletter list, and we can send you prayer points to pray for us. Um, the second thing is um, money. <laughs> you can, by giving, um, I know that the economy is tight, and we see it. We've traveled around a bit, and New England is, is hit hard. And other regions of the country are hit hard, and we know it's a sacrifice. But if you, can, um, if you could trust God, if there, if there were four families in this church that could give $25 a month, or if there were 10 families that could give $10 a month, that would be $100. And right now, um, yeah, that would be a huge help to us. The American dollar is weak, weaker in the um, international exchange market. And so what, our US, what the U.S. dollar used to equate to in New Zealand dollars no longer does. It's really shrunken. So um, we just get creative and creative and creative, and, but there's a lot of airfare and there's a lot of moving around. And so if, if there's people interested in that and partnering together um, in these brochures, it's a little uh, slip to send it in to Elam Fellowship or perhaps through the church. We have Dr. Dickin. Martha about that. And the third thing, the third way you can partner with this is to come. Come on an outreach. We, you need like a minimum of two weeks, but if you're a doctor or a nurse or a dentist or just people, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a nurse. Believe me, there's heaps to do. There's plenty of ways to touch lives. And we just need willing people that will come and say, here's what's in my hand. Here's what I have to give you. And I can tell you so many stories about times when last year God said to me, look at what's in your hand. And literally it was a piece of my homemade bread. And that was confirmation that I was to be the chief steward for the year and cook all the meals for 50 people for a long time. (laughs) Um, I had help. I had help, but that was a huge deal, and I, it sort of didn't let me get in the village, but an, an army can't march on an empty stomach, so I knew I was doing something really valuable. Marty asked me to just, Martha, just asked me to share real quickly um, that sometimes I have felt like, gee, I'm always on the ship, I'm always just cooking, cleaning, maybe serving tea, but I don't often get out into the village, but there was an opportunity a couple years ago 
um, that we are made aware of. And the, the short story is that this woman's grandson had died the year before. We'd been involved with him in 08. And this poor little guy died of a rare form of skin cancer. His face literally melted away with the cancer. But we were able to get him into a hospital in the mainland of Fiji, and he was able to get some comfort care, palliative care, so that at least his final days were without so much infection and without so much pain. But this little guy did die. And the next year, we were back in the same village, um, and someone had said, someone needs to go see Grandma. And I said, I can do that. And then I said, Nancy, come with me, who was another grandma on the ship. Come with me, because I can't do this by myself. And, and the short, short story is that we were able to go and through translators say to this woman, we're so sorry for your loss. And then I was able to say to her, I understand, because we lost our nine-week-old grandson that same year. And it was, he was nine years old and Joshua was nine weeks old, and yet they lived out their life. They lived out the mission that God gave them. We assume we've got 67 years or more. Joshua had 67 days, but he accomplished everything God wanted him to accomplish. And we cried together, and those tears didn't need any translation. And I just want to say that you may think, who am I? What have I got? What could I do? But there's plenty. There's plenty you can do, and there's a message that God's given you. And don't hold back. Don't be afraid um, to share the message that God's given you because he's given us all something. And we were able to give Litiana, the grandma, hope. You know, medically, we couldn't, have, we couldn't fix little Josiah Timo. But we gave her hope and comfort that, that only God can give. So thank you. Appreciate your coming. While you make your way here, he's helping most of us here in Baimuru. We are very thankful. So I'm so glad I can go back with this good news to my family and tell them that I got a good glasses, free, free one. Free gift to me.
and it's very good that we are going to live like your motto says. I need to live. Isn't that a great video? Boy, it's just uh, so concise, tells the story so well. Um, we, uh, for those of you that don't know us, I'm Mike Mears. My wife, Jeannie, just shared. Um, uh, we grew up here in the uh, Laconia area. My dad was pastor of Laconia Christian, um, one of the pastors, one of the elders there. Um, Bob Mears, how many of you guys remember Bob Mears? Okay, a few of you guys. Um, anyway, um, we miss him. I'm going to go down and visit his grave today, a Father's Day. I figured that would be appropriate. Um, yeah, so I sort of grew up here, went to Laconia Christian, graduated from Laconia Christian, and lived here for a, quite a few years. And then uh, the Lord called us out, went to New York for a while, and Virginia, and then finally to New Zealand and the South Pacific. So we're, uh, as Jeannie shared, part of Youth with the Mission. And uh, thankfully, they allow middle-aged people to be involved with Youth with the Mission as well. Uh, we're more like middle-aged with the mission, as you can tell. But, uh, uh, but God's faithful and lets us to be involved. Um, and it's awesome. It's so cool to be part of seeing lives changed and uh, for the better. Uh, you know, you saw toothbrushes being handed out and toothpaste and simple things like that. And we go into schools throughout the Pacific and give out toothbrushes. And we have to teach the kids how to use them because they've never had one. They, they don't know what a toothbrush is. They, they might use sugar cane and different things to do different things to their, but they've probably never had a toothbrush. You know, they, they rip open the little containers of toothpaste and start eating it like candy because it's, you know, just pretty gross when you think about it. But uh, it's new and it's different and they think it's awesome. And so it's just, it's amazing when you think of, you know, what we, things we take for granted that, that uh, the rest of the world just doesn't have. Um, we were in a, in a village um, called Nabuwalu in Fiji a few years ago doing eye surgeries. We had this uh, elderly grandmother, and uh, she had, I think it was eight or nine of her own children and a slew of grandchildren, and she had, she had raised them as a blind woman. She had two very dense cataracts, and by the time, she, by the time her, her, uh, her oldest was three years old, um, she lost all of her sight. So she raised all of her eight or nine children as a, as a blind woman and uh, had all these grandkids that she'd never seen. And we came in. She didn't know we were coming. Her son came to see about reading glasses or eyeglasses and, and uh, um, said, hey, my mother's blind. You know, is anything you could do for her sight? And, and so the optometrist said, yeah, we'll bring her in. We'll examine her eyes. And sure enough, she was a candidate for surgery. And so they brought her in um, uh, on a Tuesday morning, I think it was, uh, did the surgery. They put a bandage over the eye, and then 24 hours later, they come back and have the bandage removed, and you find out the results. And and 90, 
plus percent of the time it's successful and say so, but it's just an unknown so in the video they they have of the taking the bandage off of her eye they're you know videotaping this lady and uh it, it comes off and and she's pretty she's stoic for a for a, a, a 10 seconds or so and all of a sudden she she just begins to shake she hasn't seen anything in 20 some years and and uh, she's, she begins to shake, and then she grabs the nurse by the shoulder and begins to hit her. And and she's and the nurse says, "Can you see?" And she's like, "Yeah." In her limited English, "Yeah, I can see." And there's just this joy, you know, at this moment of this woman's sight being restored. And then in the video, you see the woman begin to look around at her surroundings, and there's a there's a Fijian woman standing here uh, next to her. And you see her in the video. She looks up and and. She, does obviously doesn't know this person and shyly kind of turns her head away and, and she's dealing with all the emotion of I don't know any of these people you know I, I just and uh, then this this 26 year old Fijian woman leans down into her face and says her name and she realizes it's her three year old daughter who's now 26 years old and there's this embrace with mother and daughter and there wasn't a dry eye in a place I mean it's just amazing this you know this reunion with with uh, with her daughter. And then subsequently with all of her children and grandchildren. And so later in the week, we did the second eye. And uh, she left as, uh, you know, came in as a blind woman and came left with, with sight in both eyes. And, uh, and that's just one story. This year, we did 77 procedures like that in Papua New Guinea. Over the years, we've done thousands and thousands and thousands of restoring sight. Uh, you know, if we all had a, if we had cataracts here, you can go to the doctor, you can get that sorted. If you need glasses, you make a, an appointment, go see the optometrist, and you get eyeglasses. Or you go down to, you know, Walmart or Kmart or wherever, and you buy a pair of reading glasses. Anybody use reading glasses in this? Uh, you know, okay, a few brave hands go up, you know. I've reached that point. One day I was preaching, and I'm, I'm like, where do the words go, you know? And Somebody came up and gave me reading glasses, and I said, oh, I don't need reading glasses, and I put them on and realized that I did. So I sort of reached that point in my life, and, and, uh, and so a lot of people in the islands, that's their case, but they don't have a place to just go down to Walmart and pick up a pair of reading glasses. They just don't have it, and so they stop reading. Or you'll see them, you know, with a book literally, you know, in their face so that they can see the, see the letters, and, and you young kids have no idea what I'm talking about, but um, your day will come. So... Just something as simple as a you know a two dollar pair of of reading glasses can just change someone's life, uh, and they can read again and they can function again and do fine work that they haven't been able to do for years. And and so just to be part of that, uh, another story we had a woman by the name of uh, Makatalena, uh, also in Nabuwalu, and she she was uh, from a different village. She had uh, married into this particular village, moved there from her village, which was many hours away by boat and. Uh, and so she she's married there and had had children and family and something happened in the relationship and they divorced and and husband took several of the kids and moved away from the village so now she's not from this village she's a divorced woman uh, which was a lot of shame involved uh, in the uh, because of the divorce because she wasn't from there uh, everybody in the village pointed to her as the fault of the problem and uh, they ostracized her from the village they kicked her out of the village made her live outside of the village, which is, you know, kind of like where the sound desk is from the village. It's just, you know, it's right there, but it's across the road, and it was at a, a patch of ground that was just briars, and, and they just said, you can live up there. And that's the extent. So she made a path and got some stuff, got some timber, and, and threw up this little shack um, 
and uh, where she lived with a couple of her children. And it was just briar infested area. There was no toilet. There was no outhouse. They had run water, uh, a water line up from somebody's well up to the ho- to the property, and it was just a faucet stuck at the edge of the, fro- uh, the property on a stick. And uh, so she would go out and get water. Well, then they decided for religious reasons um, and uh, that they would cut off the water to her, which is what Jesus would do, right? I mean, he would cut off the water and supply and, and just, you know, and treat her badly, right? Anyway, I have no idea what goes through their minds. But uh, anyway, for religious reasons, and that's what we were told, that they'd cut off the water. And so this woman was having to go and, and collect water up and bring, a, bring water into her family. They had no running water and, again, no toilet, so they had to just find trees or whatever. And so the health, the local health officer asked if we would come in, if we could do something for her. And specifically, we had three water tanks that we wanted to, to bring in and, and uh, to different people who were very needy. And we focus a lot of our community development projects on widows and the elderly, uh, making safe stairs with handrails um, and different things like that. And so we said, yeah. And so as we came in and we found out about this woman's situation, Macatalina, uh, we decided that what would Jesus do? And Jesus would go the extra mile. He wouldn't just do this, the simple thing of the water tank, but he would go the extra mile. So we made this woman a project. And, uh, and so we spent about a week at her house. And we, uh, we put the water tank in. We built a nice foundation for it to set on. And we put the guttering up to collect the water, which is what they do for water. It's just rainwater collection uh, for the tank. And we, we dug a special trench away from the, the tank so where the faucet was and poured concrete around it and then made a, a channel so that any excess water would flow, wouldn't flow into her property, but, you know, it would flow away. And we built a, a nice um, uh, footpath. We would call it a sidewalk sort of a, from up to the house. And uh, we leveled it all off and we put stones, outlined it with stones, painted the stones white. Uh, the stairs going, you know, the, the area that was the slippery path going up the hill, we actually cut steps into, into the ground and so that she had sort of proper steps. They, we had these Fijian guys with us who came and, and uh, with their lawnmowers, which is just a machete. Um, and they cut, they cut all the grass uh, and all the briars and removed all that stuff out. We burned it. Um, we dug a long drop, which is a, a, the outhouse. And... Um, a pit toilet, dug that, and we built we built a surround around it, you know, for privacy, and put a roof on it. We painted that. We painted the house, uh, painted the shutters a different color, um, and she went from having probably the worst house in the neighborhood to having one of the nicest in the neighborhood. And uh, yeah, amen. And during the time that we were there, um, we were working with uh, uh, an evangelical church. It was Assembly of God uh, Church, and the pastor down. Uh, uh, I don't know, 10 or 12 Ks away. Uh, and uh, so every day uh, he would come up with his wife and they would sit underneath the tree and, while we were working. Uh, and uh, uh, he had given a lot of his, his young men that he was discipling to come and help us as well. And uh, so he would sit underneath the tree, he and his wife, and they would and sh- and would sit with Makatalena and they'd share the Lord with her. And during the course of that week, they led her to the Lord. Just a real deep move of God in her life and she gave her life to the Lord. And when we left... Again, she went from having probably the worst property to having one of the nicest properties, kind of the envy of the whole village. Um, and they planted a church in her home. And so now there's not just a, um, you know, a nice home and changed someone's life and made their living situation better, but now there's a, a spiritual hope. In the, and so we talk about the two-handed gospel. In the, one, in, in the one hand, we carry all the practical things that we do, the medical and the dental and the uh, community development and water and sewer and that kind of thing that we do to, in developing nations. Uh, but as well, we bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we're bringing hope in the physical. We're bringing hope in the spiritual, bringing them together and changing lives. 
uh, and that's what it's all about. Jesus did the same thing, didn't he? He came in and he, he didn't just uh, preach to them, but he, he healed the sick, he raised the dead, he fed the hungry. Um, he, uh, um, he just did all kinds of practical things as well and told the disciples to do this as well. Remember the story of the Good Samaritan at the end? It was just this, this conversation with a Pharisee who was trying to figure out you know, who his neighbor was and if he was doing enough you know, to earn the right to be with God for eternity. And, and, uh, and at the end, Jesus said, you know, which man proved to be a neighbor to, the, to the, the, uh, the businessman who was on his way to Jericho? And he said, well, it's probably the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, you're correct. And then he said four words, five words. He said, go and do the same. And so that's the word of the Lord to us, isn't it? You know, Jesus said, you know, this is, this is what you do. You should go and do the same. And uh, who's your neighbor? Well, it's whoever you come in contact with. It's whoever you meet. It's your neighbor. It's uh, people down the street. It's the people in, the, in Israel, in the Middle East, in the South Pacific. And it's wherever God leads you and wherever he, he, uh, he leads you to go, to show mercy and uh, to be his hands and his feet. If you want to turn with me to Malachi chapter 1. And as you do, as you find that, if you want to stand with me, Malachi chapter 1. That's the last book in the Old Testament, just after Zechariah, just before Matthew. Malachi chapter 1, and we'll read verse 11. I'll tell you what, I can read it, you can follow along. I'm reading from NIV. Malachi chapter 1, verse 11. This is the Lord speaking, and he says, My name will be great among the nations. From the rising up to the setting of the sun, in every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to my name, because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. I'll read it again. My name will be great among the nations. From the rising to the setting of the sun, meaning from the east to the west, around the world, in every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to my name, because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. You can be seated. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your name. Lord, it is to be great. It is to be great among the nations. And we, um, yeah, we declare that from Laconia, New Hampshire this morning. Your name is great. That you are awesome, Lord. And, and we have expressed, Lord, through our worship this morning and through our lives, uh, Lord, incense to you, Lord, praise and, and worship to you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Let your name be great. In Exodus chapter 3, there's the story of, of Moses, and he, he, comes to, uh, uh, he comes to be part of the, the royal family of Egypt. And the only place that an Israelite was safe, the only place that a, that a, a male child remember the whole story it was an edict that all the male children were to be killed the only place that an israelite could have survived would have been in the palace and so this that's what god arranged and so moses grows up with uh, with all of the favor of a family member uh, as an israelite and he's uh, he's not subject to the edict he's not subject to slavery he's not subject to the injustice that is the rest of his family is that his mother that his father that his brothers and sisters he's exempt from it and I think there's this sense in Moses, this feeling of, you know, why me? Um, you know, maybe I'm, I, I sort of wonder, you know, maybe he was feeling like he was, to, he was to be the Savior. He was to be the one who would lead them out and that God had given him this position. And, 
And, of course, he wasn't raised as a Hebrew. He was raised in whatever they taught him, taught him the Egyptians and the Egyptian gods and, and all of that. He had no relationship with God. And yet there's this sense of, in him about the injustice and how it's not right. And so one day, if you remember, he, he's out and he sees this Egyptian treating this Israelite badly. And he comes up and he kills the Egyptian. And I think there's this sense of wanting to see justice come into this situation and, and to right the injustice and to be the deliverer. And there's this that sense in him. And, and uh, so he buries the guy in the ground. And, and the next day, someone he sees two Israelites, you know, two, two, uh, two Jewish guys, Hebrews, fighting amongst themselves. And he said, he said, hey, break it up, guys. You know, you shouldn't be fighting with each other. And they, they said, well, you're going to kill us like you killed the Egyptian. And suddenly he realized, you know, this is major. This is epic fail. Um, to use a uh, thank you. I got a few laughs. There we go. So this is epic fail uh, on the part of Moses. And so he flees for his life. He realizes that, that, it, that it's been found out and that he's going, to, uh, he's going to be found out. He would be a murderer, killing an Egyptian. There would be justice that would be sought. And he would be, um, uh, yeah, so he flees for his life, takes off, goes out into the desert, and the very next thing, the next people that he encounters is, is some, some girl shepherds. Um, their father was named Ruel or Jethro. And he, uh, he sends his daughters out with the sheep. They're going to water the sheep at this well, at Jacob's well, uh, or somebody's well. And uh, I think it was Jacob's well. And the, the long and short of it is that uh, there's these other shepherds that come and they're abusing the daughters. It doesn't say exactly what they're doing. Well, Moses comes to their rescue and uh, is successful in, in righting the wrong on a much smaller scale. And as a result, they flee, and, and uh, he waters the sheep for these girls and just very kind to them. And uh, they go home, and the father says, invite him to come. And anyway, he, so he ends up marrying one of the daughters, and he spends 40 years as a shepherd. And then one fateful day, he comes to the, he comes to the mountain of God, Mount Horeb, and he sees this bush that's on fire. Um, most of you remember this story, and he sees this bush that's, that's on fire, but it's not burning to ash. And he said, well, that's just unusual. This is not something you see every day. So he turns to look at it, and God speaks to him, calls him by name. And then he begins to, to, uh, to say some things to Moses that I'm sure were very exciting things for Moses to hear. He says, he said, I'm concerned about the people of Israel. I have seen the slavery. I am concerned for their welfare. Well, that's good news. Moses was concerned, but he realized that this was an impossible thing for him to do. There's no way he could do it. And then God says something really even more exciting. He says, he said, again, I've seen their plight. I've seen their suffering. I've heard their cry. I'm concerned um, as a father would be. He says, and, and he says, and so I have come down to rescue them. Pressure off Moses. Isn't that good news? God says, I have come down to rescue my people and to bring them out of bondage and out of slavery. Oh, thank you, God. Pressure off Moses, you know. So suddenly this, this sense of an impossibility, but wanting to see it, but realizing that there's no way to do it, and God's going to come and do it. And so, wow, you know, pressure off Moses, you know, let's have a party. This is exciting times, you know. And then verse 10 comes around, and God says, again, he repeats that. He says, and I, again, I am concerned about my people. I want to see them brought out of slavery. So I'm sending you, Moses. I'm sure that just deflated, you know. It just took all the wind out of the sails. It's like, oh, you, know. you know, God, don't, don't you know, um, you know, the, my epic failure 40 years ago? Um, this is just, there's no way. This is impossible um, that, uh, that I can do this. D 
Dick, could you, can you put the words to the last song that we sang? Is that going to really mess you up? The uh, Savior, you can move the mountains. If you could put the, the, uh, that back up on the PowerPoint. And there's this sense of, of, again, Moses wanting to see this happen, realizing the impossibility of it. It's just not going to happen. Um, but God says, he says, this is, I am concerned, and I'm so concerned that, that I'm going to send you to be my representative in this situation. And, and the very next words out of Moses' mouth are, who am I? Who am I? Uh, I'm a nobody. Uh, you know, I'm a failure. Um, uh, there's no way that I can, uh, you know, <laughs> you've got the wrong guy. And at one point he says, can you send somebody else, please? He actually says that to the Lord. Lord, can you send somebody else, please? And God gets angry with him because he just won't come to this place of, of, of believing that God could use him because of his, his failure, because of his, he was nothing. And, uh, and so he, he finally relents and he goes. And it's, it's such a picture because the Lord says to Moses, you, you know, he's, who, 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 who should I say sent me? And he says, tell them that I am. And that's a, you could spend hours and days and weeks probably picking that apart, what that means. But it's the sense of um, I am everything that you will need. I will be with you is the other thing the Lord says. I will be with you. That's exciting. So there's this call. There's this sense of, of God's heart being, being uh, told and exposed and saying, this is my heart. I'm concerned. I want to rescue. I, I, this is what I want to do. But I'm sending you. So it's God's heart, but it's our hands. But at the end of the day, it's God's power. Because you remember the story. Moses didn't do anything. He just, I mean, he was God's, God's uh, messenger. He spoke. Aaron spoke to Pharaoh, and then all of a sudden God began to do these things. The plagues came, the plagues came, one after another, after another, at the word of the Lord. And so he was just declaring that, and he would put his stick in the water, and the, and the, the Nile became blood, and all these various things happened. And, uh, but it was, again, it's God's heart, wanting to see this rescue, wanting to see people delivered, our hands, but at the end of the day, it's God's power who brings change and brings, brings situation to life. We could read through Isaiah 61, or as we say in New Zealand, Isaiah. Uh, anyway, Isaiah 61 uh, is this picture that says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, is upon me. This is the Lord. This is Jesus, this, 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 um, uh, this prophetic word. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because. I love that word. It's so important. Uh, you see that throughout the scripture, the word because. Uh, or on account of, or due to, or as a result of, or therefore. You see it throughout Scripture. So the Spirit of the Lord was on Jesus because he's anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the broken heart, to, pro to proclaim release from captivity for prisoners. And he goes on, all of these things, beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. And there's this promise that God brings to people. And so there's this picture the, that you and I, you know, that the world, those people that are outside of Christ right now are like the, like the Israelites in Egypt. They're in bondage. They're in slavery. They're, they're, they're in a death sentence. And so there's this sense of, even within this generation, not, not just uh, even the Christians, but outside the Christians in the, in the world, there's this sense of wanting to see justice for the sex trafficking and all of the stuff that's going on in the world, stuff we weren't even aware of 20 years ago. And now it's just... It's on every page of the newspaper, Time Magazine, all these, you know, all over the internet. All this stuff, this injustice that's happening around the world. And there's a cry for this generation saying, I don't want to see this for the rest of, you know, I wanna, we want to make change. But it's, it's, it's the kind of impossibility that Moses faced to the, 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 enormous, the enormity of, it, of the situation, the, the, uh, the vastness of the people and where they are and, and how to, 
You know, you make a difference where you can, but there's this cry for this justice, and that there's this impossibility. But the Lord says, when you couple the fact of your hand, my heart and your hands together with my power, you can see this stuff happen. You can see people delivered from, from bondages. You can see people set free, which is, at the end of the day, it's not just what I want to see. I want to see people set free. You know, I, I know I'm walking with couples that are on the verge of divorce. We're working with, with, uh, with people that, you know, that are just grew up in such bondage and brokenness, and they're perpetuating that in their families, and we're trying to work with them pastorally to see life's changed. And it's like, God, if you don't move in this situation, what hope is there of any, of there any long-lasting change in this situation? So, it's again, it's God's heart wanting to see this, our hands, but his power. And I love this... this um, uh, this song, uh, Savior, He can move the mountains. Our, my God is mighty to save. Forever, author of salvation, He rose, He conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Can you go to the second verse there, Dick? Is that? And I, this is so powerful because what we're talking about today, about this epic failure on the part of Moses. Um, and the second verse is, um, so take me as you find me with all my fears and failures. Anybody have any fears or failures, you know? Um, Fears, failures, you know. Um, fill my life again. I give my life to follow everything I believe, and now I surrender to you. And at the end of the day, that's what God's calling us to. It says in Second Corinthians 5, 8, that he has given to us. Raise your hand. Everybody in the room, raise your hand, okay? Because you are us, and that's what he's talking about, that God has given to us, okay? So we're all part of us. Um, he has given to us the message of reconciliation. As if God were through you calling calling men to be reconciled to God. We are separated. Mankind is separated from God. They are on, on a road to hell into a Christless eternity unless they come to a place of salvation. There is no other name, it says in the book of Acts. There is no other name given among men under heaven by which you can be saved except Jesus Christ. I believe that with all my heart. It's why we do what we do. Because people need to come to, come to know Jesus Christ. They have to come into relationship with Christ in order to, to be saved from this, to be reconciled to God. They're separated from God. You remember Adam and Eve? When the, when the sin came into the garden, they were separated from God. They were banished from the garden, banished from the tree of life. And, uh, and, and so it, from that moment, from, from the beginning of mankind, has been God's plan implemented to bring man and, man and God back into relationship, and it happened at the cross through Jesus Christ. And that's that message of reconciliation, that you can be reconciled to God. You can come back into relationship with God. And it's only through God's power, but he calls us as his hands and his feet, to be his hands and his feet, to carry his word, and to make a difference in the nations and to make, an, make his name great known among the nations. So take me as you find me, Lord, with all my fears and failures. Fill my life again. I give my life to follow everything I believe in. Savior, you can move the mountains. Our God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. He's the author of salvation. So the Great Commission is given to us as believers. The word uh, the, in Matthew 28, this is Jesus' last, last words to the disciples, was go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. That word go is a, in the Greek means it's a pre present and a continuous uh, command to go and continue to go, to keep going. And there's that sense that, that it's not just for those 11 disciples, but it was for all of us through all of eternity to go and to continue to go. Keep going 
and making disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And then he says the same thing that he said to Moses. What did he say to Moses? He said, I will be with you. He says the same thing in the Great Commission. And he says, and lo, or behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And that's a great promise, that as God calls us to take his, his word, his, his heart, our hands, but again, it's his power. And that's the Great Commission. He says, go and make disciples of all the nations, but I will be with you. I will be with you because I raised my hand like Moses and said, who am I? You know, I'm just a, I'm just a kid from Laconia. Um, my wife, you know, just a, a farm kid from a town with one gas station. Um, uh, and, and even that gas station was put in in the last 20 years. Um, it's just a little farming community. And uh, where she lives, you, you go off of the, the main road, which isn't really a main road. It's a... Um, it's like 106 when you get to beyond Gilmanton Corners. I mean, it's like that kind of main road way out in the middle of nowhere. And then you turn off onto their road, and it goes down over a hill. And people that have driven that road for years don't even realize there's a front. They know there's anything down there. And, uh, and so she's literally, you know, on the, on the backside of the desert, you know, <laughs> as it were. Uh, and, but God, takes, God takes, takes us and says, you know, would you be willing to go? I'm calling you. I'm sending you. To, uh, to different places. So wherever God's called you to be, God's called us. And uh, again, us, right? We all raised our hands. God's called us to be involved in the Great Commission. And whether that means going down the street to your neighbor, across the street to your neighbor, uh, to, uh, um, to the next town, wherever it, wherever it is that God calls you to be, even if it's across to the ends of the earth, that God has called us. It says in Ephesians uh, 2, 8, and 9, this, the, the verse that says that, for by grace are you saved through faith. That, not of yourself, it's the gift of God, not a result of works that anyone can boast. That's awesome. That's salvation. That's who we are. God's done this free gift for us. He's done everything for us so that we can receive salvation. The very next verse says, but you, again, that's us, you, it's the same. Um, I lost my train of thought. But you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. So there is a plan for you. God has a plan for you to, to be involved in his purposes in the earth. He's given us this message of reconciliation. Um, that through God, through you, God is reconciling man to himself, bringing about that, no longer that separation from sin, but bringing us back, preaching the good news uh, to, uh, to, to a lost generation. And so that's what God's purposes are for us. Um, in, in our Jerusalems, in our Judeas, our Samarias, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. So let me just challenge you today that you are ambassadors for Christ, um, that God calls you to be his ambassadors, and those who would be part of reconciling, that you would be part of rescuing a people who are lost, who are strayed, who have been driven away, who are in bondage, who are in slavery, who are mistreated, and God's heart is to rescue. And God has come to rescue. He has done everything necessary to rescue. And he promises that I will be with you wherever you go. Wherever I send you, uh, I will go with you. And, uh, and he says, and even to the end of the age, he's given us his Holy Spirit. I am so thankful for the power of the Holy Spirit. He's given that to us. And he says, and the Holy Spirit will be with you through the end of time. And, and so we can do. And Jesus said, you know, it's amazing. You see the stuff that Jesus did. It's just, wow. 
but Jesus said, greater works than I did will you do. Because when I go, I'll send the Holy Spirit to you. The Holy Spirit will not just be upon one, but he will be upon every believer. And the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through that. And so greater works than we do that will, than he did will we do. Uh, we've seen people, you know, uh, healed from blindness, um, uh, restored in all kinds of ways, practically, but as well spiritually, just praying for people and seeing see people's sight restored. We had a non-believing optometrist with us a few years ago. She was not a Christian. She just came to serve with us. for, And uh, she had a woman come through her, her to see her. She had a really dense cataract in one eye, and she said, she said you're a candidate for surgery. I'm going to send you to the ship to have you viewed. And, uh, and so wrote, wrote all that out on her little, her, uh, her card, sent her away. And the next day, she gets this card back. And she's like, what is this woman doing here? She needs surgery. And uh, she read through, and the notes from the op- ophthalmologist said, uh, no cataract, no need for surgery. And she's like, somebody's not doing their job. And so she, uh, you know, she, she was up really upset about it because she's just wasting my time. There's this huge queue of people. That's a line, by the way, queue. Um, I have to stop and think of where I am. But uh, uh, so she said, well, bring her in, and I'll just, you know, and uh, uh, their obvious mistake. And so she brought her in and got the scope out and, and looked in her eyes and looked back at the chart and checked both eyes. And there was no cataract, just absolutely gone. She had clear vision in the eye. And... Uh, you know, she was speechless. She was literally speechless. And so she shared that night. We had a debrief night on the ship. And she said, she got up to share. And again, she's not a Christian. And she said, I have no explanation for this. She said, I know what I saw. And then she came back the next day, hadn't had surgery and had no cataract in the eye. She said, I think the only explanation is that that I saw a miracle happen. And three days later, we were sailing back to uh, Latoka, Fiji, for, uh, for them to leave. And one of our nurses led her to the Lord. Outstanding, isn't it? You know, it's just God is so cool. And just she didn't pray that, you know, that this lady would be healed, you know. But uh, um, everybody gets prayed for before surgeries, before everything. And so somewhere along the line, um, uh, God just chose to heal her. And it probably as a, uh, um, as a catalyst for, for salvation to come to, to Tui's heart, Tui's life. So. Um, very exciting, very exciting to be part of that. So you guys, just as a challenge um, to, uh, to be the ambassadors that God has called you to be, to be his hands and his feet, because God's come down to rescue. He has come down to rescue people on your street, people in your town. He's come down to rescue the people that you think are unrescuable, that it's just an impossible. There is no way, there is no way that this can't be done. We can't bring justice to the nations. We can't bring healing to the nations we can't if we worked every hour of every day for the rest of our lives we wouldn't we wouldn't be more than a drop in the bucket of what's needed but the lord says it's my heart it's your hands but it's my power through the holy spirit working in among you and so as god calls us to be his ambassadors it's a matter of going it's a matter of of being obedient following the word of the lord and just saying god i'm just so excited to see what you're going to do because it's your hands. So why don't you stand with me today, and, and uh, just as we close. Jer- do you want to come up, Jeremy, and uh, maybe just lead us in this, in this song as we, um, as we close? Father, thank you that you have given to us, Lord, this message of reconciliation, this called us to be your ambassadors, Lord, because it's your heart. God, to see people delivered and set free. It's your heart. 
to see justice brought to the earth, Father. And when we look at it in our natural eyes, wow, how, how do you even begin to make a difference? And, but, Lord, we just want to be obedient to your call. And so, Lord, I just want to charge. I want to ask, Lord, for an anointing this morning, Lord, upon each one of us as we're standing before you today. Lord, asking that, Lord, as you, as you poured out your spirit upon the Lord Jesus on that day, that you'd give us a new impartation, Father, of your Holy Spirit. Father, so that Isaiah 61 comes alive to us, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. It wasn't just for Jesus. It's for this whole generation. It's for all of us who come to the, come to the, the, to, uh, to the table of Jesus Christ, to come to the cross. Lord, that he would anoint us to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to captives, freedom from prisoner for those that are bound, uh, to, to bestow beauty instead of ashes garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. Lord, that we would be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. And it goes on and says, we will rebuild the ancient ruins. We'll do all these amazing things for God because the spirit of the Lord is upon us and we just go and we're obedient to that. So Lord, take our fears and failures. Lord, our, our sorrows, our brokenness, Father. And we ask you, Lord, you would heal us, make us whole, Lord, so that we can be the ambassadors, Lord, for you and to see those reconciled to you, Lord, that are still outside. Father, there's so much work to be done. There's so much need around the world. And, and so, Lord, so raise up, Lord, your church. Raise up your church, Father, to be the ambassadors for Christ that we need to. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Let's just sing this together as a response to the Lord. Just make.